Jesus. 
is a voice in the wilderness podcast channel the topic of today's episode is going to be what is holy fortitude and holy zeal why they are important and getting to the heavenly kingdom but first a prayer in the name of the father son holy ghost amen all that i am all that i have and all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus in the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Okay, so... The reason... I'm covering that these two topics, which form part of the seven gifts of the Holy Ghost that you receive after you are confirmed into the one true Catholic religion, is because in these in in, in this day and time, I am absolutely not. infallibly convinced, but I, I myself am firmly convinced that these two virtues, I mean, honestly speaking, everything that we practice, if we intend on getting to heaven, is going to be bottom line important into getting into heaven. But these two particular um, virtues, I would say, are going to be the most important virtues that you can receive. Just given the, the nature of modern society and culture and the upcoming... Oh, 
the the upcoming uh um great tribulation that's coming if you're not strong in these two faiths you're going to fall by or i'm sorry these two virtues you're going to fall by the wayside there's no two ways around it there's there's no two ways around it if you're if you do not if you're not strong in those two virtues um you're going to fall by the wayside because everyone and i absolutely mean everyone and by the way when i say everyone i'm i'm not referring to the people who are living for today who are living for the world who don't care about where their ultimate destination lies who are more worried about the things of this world than the things of heaven i'm not I'm not referring to those people. I'm actually talking about people who consider themselves to be pious and devout. Because the bottom line is, you know, I'm not claiming to have a crystal ball. Nobody, nobody but Jesus Christ, the Heavenly Father, know when these times are coming. But they are coming. And God in his mercy, and I absolutely mean it is a mercy, is, is uh, giving indicators, clear indicators that this time is coming. Now, as I said in my original podcast, it does not matter when the great tribulation comes if it comes tomorrow morning or if it comes 10 years from now 50 years from now 100 years from now it does not matter we need to prepare ourselves as if it's going to happen oh like within the next couple of days and when I say that, I don't mean that you have to be some sort of super saint within the next couple of days. That's not what I'm referring to. I'm saying we need to start getting, starting, starting on this progression, this uh, spiritual progression as if, um, you know, as if it's, it's the most important thing that we have to do because you know if if you don't even attempt to start when it does happen it once again i'm not claiming to have a crystal ball i'm not going to claim it's going to be too late but you're as I, as I said, ad nauseum, it's going to put you behind the eight ball. We need to take this very seriously. There's no, there's no other way I can put it. I can't put it any simpler. I can't put it any more direct. I try to be very sim- uh, direct and simple in what I put across. So, um... Let's get let's get into the main meat of what this episode is about. One of the virtues I talk about or one of the virtues that are in this topic are fortitude. What fortitude is and it's it doesn't get any more complicated than this. Fortitude is just a churched up word for saying spiritual courage. What spiritual courage is, it, it, it rolls into two, two ideas. The first idea is doing the right thing, not only when doing the right thing doesn't, doesn't serve you personally at all. You do it for the sake that it's the right thing to do. And then the second aspect of it is, is it's doing the right thing when nobody's looking, which kind of leads into the first one indirectly. 
I think I said in my original podcast that doing the right thing, say you find some guy's wallet out in the middle of the street and it's, you know, got multiple credit cards. It's, it's got like $150, $200 and all the guy's personal information in the wallet. And you either try to return it to the guy in question or you turn it in to whoever can return it to him. And you don't, you don't, uh, you don't take credit. You know, you don't tell the cops, oh, by the way, here's my phone number, you know, blah, 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 email address so they can, you know, they can contact me. Just turn it in, leave it at that. You know, a, a lot of what gets missed in today's society and culture is, as a lot of people do what they think is the right thing, and in many cases, it is the right thing, but at the same time, because their motivations are corrupt, they expect to receive praise and thank you and, you know, recognition for what they do. And that goes back to my episode in my original podcast that a good workman is worth his wages. Jesus himself talks about this in the Gospels. When he says, he says a good workman is, is worth his wages. In addition to saying that, he adds the fact that uh, a good workman doesn't expect to be praised or recognized for something that he should have been doing to begin with. To put it in more modern and uh, worldly terms, doing a good job is, is, or for that matter, a good deed is reward in itself. Your motivation should not be to receive praise or recognition. Your motive should be it's doing the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. Once again, um, I can't make it any simpler than what I just said. Now, part of fortitude also means... And if, if I if I haven't already uh, made this clear, I'm going to do it here. Fortitude also means spiritual courage, and all spiritual courage is it goes with physical courage. But if you're trying to be pious and devout. Fortitude will increase your physical courage. And what, what spiritual courage means is, is that you will pay any price to not betray your, what's the word I'm looking for? To betray your um, spiritual principles, for lack of a better term. Meaning that if somebody threatens you, your life, and even the lives of your loved ones, and this is a, uh, where a lot of people, they have issue with this. And if you're married and have kids, or you, you're really close to your family members, believe me, I can understand I really can because these, these are the people that you love and cherish on earth and you don't want to see harm, not, not if you're a decent human being, you don't want to see any harm come to them. So, and I, I, I talked about this in my original podcast, what totalitarian governments did was, is they recognized early on that there were individuals that they wanted to break, that they literally wanted to break mentally and spiritually. So that what they would do is, is they would go to that person and they obviously this person was an enemy of everything that they stood for and represented. And they would say, well, hey, you know, 
we know that you're, you know, that you're, phys- you're physically brave and that we can torture you till the cows come home and you ain't going to break. And by the way, it wasn't just totalitarian regimes. The, the pagan Romans did this as well. And so what they would do was, and this is horrendous, horrendous uh, subtlety on their part, was they would say like, well, if you don't knuckle under, if you don't kowtow, if you don't, if you don't completely give us, give yourself over to us, we know we can't do nothing to you, but we can dang sure do something to your friends and family. Now, don't you want to spare them that pain, possibly even death? Because we're going to torture them horribly and we're going to make you watch. And if you still won't do what we tell you to do, we're going to kill them in front of you. That's going to try and test the most bravest of souls. And when I say brave, I mean physically courageous. And that's why the the particular virtue of fortitude, especially now, is going to be so important. Because it's easy to talk smack when things are not totally gone south yet. They're bad, but they have not totally gone south yet and say, oh, yeah, well, if that ever happens, you know, blah, blah, blah. Until you're actually in the situation itself, unless you have a close and personal relationship with Jesus Christ, his blessed mother in the heavenly kingdom, you don't know how you're going to react. Now, some people surprise themselves and God gives them the grace to go ahead and defy them anyway, even if they don't have reference to being trying to be a pious and devout person. But that doesn't happen very often. And part of the virtue of prudence is not assuming that something that's rare and rarely given is going to be the the case in your part. Once again, I can't put it any simpler than this. And there's the physical aspects, but as I said, fortitude in and of itself is a spiritual virtue. And in case you're coming on to this episode cold, you haven't heard the the last couple episodes that I did. The the, The spiritual virtue of fortitude also is in the spiritual life. Because this has also said in... My original podcast is the spiritual and God's natural world, because he is the creator of both, work together in tandem. So part of part of the virtue of fortitude is if you have a particular monkey on your back, a particular sin that you You have the best of intent as far as you know. You truly want to be a pious and devout person, but you cannot get over that hurdle. But you do not have have regular access to the sacraments. Then part of fortitude is there's an old expression about the person who just kept who kept going he kept falling down and he kept going he kept falling down and he kept going that's part of the 
the, the virtue of fortitude, to keep continuing. And I'm not necessarily putting myself in this camp, but I'm attempting to try to practice this, is if you're in the right spiritual frame of mind, if you've been mired in a particular sin for years and years, and you recognize the urgency to piety and devotion is going to be in the upcoming time, If you keep falling and falling and falling and falling, it is going to try your spiritual patience and your courage. And it's going to, well, I'll speak for you, for myself. It's going to allow doubts to creep in because if you, as far as you're aware, if you think if you think that you know, hey, I need to get rid of this aspect, but I keep I keep falling on my face, then eventually, you know, it like I said, just like the physical threats, it's gonna try your spiritual fortitude. It's going to try that because as far as you're aware, you have, you have the right attitude. You have the right um, goal in mind. And when you fall down, it's, it's going to be disheartening. I'll put it that way. It's going to be very disheartening. Now, the key to this is confidence faith, hope in God and his blessed mother, but not just that, in divine providence. In other words, that, you know, and I don't care which Catholic saint you pick up. The internet is littered. I mean, literally littered with quotes from Catholic saints who say, that you have to trust in divine providence that this is a trial and a tribulation and it's meant for your spiritual well-being and you have to continue on with the fight. That, you know, um, I don't want to pound this in ad nauseum because, I you know, I have pounded it ad nauseum. This, there are physical aspects to the fight. There are. But at the base of it, the fight is spiritual. And just like in any physical fight, if you get punched in the nose and fall down and don't get back up, you've lost. If you are in actual combat and you get shot, but you're not fatally wounded and you stop fighting... Well, not only are you failing yourself, but you're failing your fellow soldiers around you because they need you to stay in that fight. Because when you are in a physical combat situation, you don't fight until you're either dead, unconscious, or captured. And... You know, I don't know how they're doing things in today's modern American military. Actually, the uh, the army I was in was modern. But even as a rear echelon mother effer, they drilled at us in basic. You do not stop fighting. If you are not literally dead, unconscious, or captured, you keep fighting until you are. And it's the same thing in the spiritual life. You have to keep getting back up. Now, to close out this first section, I'm going to give a quote. I believe it's from St. Padre Pio. I believe. And what he says is, 
and take it for what it's worth. The quote that I've seen is, he says, the mark of a saint is not the perfection of his life. Or let me back up just a, just a hair. He said the mark of a saint is not his total perfection or his apparent perfection in life, but when he falls, that he gets back up and continues onward. And of course, I'm massacring the quote, uh, bad memory and lack of eloquence, but you get my point. That is, that is literal spiritual fortitude. It's just, just keep getting back up, keep getting back up, no matter. And like I the mention, the reason why I mentioned earlier in this section, this segment, about the importance of, or I'm sorry, let me let me go back. The reason why I mentioned that if you're in the correct spiritual state. Oh, an important concept to remember is, is that you are your own worst enemy, even if you have the best intentions. So if you should fall, and if you fall, and you have the right intentions, you're not going to be happy with this because you realize how much it displeases Lord Jesus, his blessed mother in the heavenly kingdom. But to continue, the, the, the simplest and most straightforward way I can explain, uh, put spiritual fortitude is that you just, no matter, no matter how many times it takes, you just keep going. You just keep going until either you you overcome with the help of blessings and graces from the heavenly kingdom. Um, you 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 either you keep going until that happens, or until you literally, you know, you're you're no longer able to fight. And when I say this, I mean physically. Because as long as you have the heavenly kingdom in Jesus Christ, you're always in the fight. You're always in the fight. And nothing in hell is going to stop you. I think I've done a pretty good job of covering the first aspect. The second aspect is zeal. Seal is uh, also a spiritual virtue. Now, a lot of, because we're moderns, we are a product of our society, we get that part twisted and we think that, you know, zeal only encompasses um, trying or our our intensity for our love of Jesus Christ and the heavenly kingdom and his blessed mother. And that's part of it. But also part of zeal too is, is zeal for our love of neighbor. Now I've also carried, uh, I've also pounded this ad nauseum. You know, in my original podcast, I talk about how people say, well, I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my family. I want to make sure they get to heaven. That's commendable. Nothing wrong with that. But Jesus states in his gospels, part of zeal is, is making sure that your fellow human beings at least have the attempt that you've been given to make the heavenly kingdom. And just as a personal note, because I've run into this attitude, you know, privately, a lot of people are off put 
by any sort of strong determination, attachment, and uh, I can't remember the other word I wanted to use. Um, relentlessness, for lack of a better term, for anything that is not physically apparent in the physical world. I mean, if you if you show those three things about your family, uh, they may give you a sidewise glance and think. You know, well, this guy's a real nut. <laughs> but in their heart, they'll say, well, it's commendable what he does. Now, for things such as sports ball, a hobby, you know, stuff, what I say doesn't even matter to begin with. Now, and once again, this is not a broad brush. I'm not saying everyone is going to react this way, but some people, and Lord knows I'm one of them. If you got that kind of zeal for that, they're going to look at you and they may think to themselves, well, this, this guy, his priorities are screwed up. He's getting zealous over a, a video game or a, a movie franchise or a book, a series of books. Or a sports ball team. And but when you show that same kind of zeal that other people show for the things of what I call the things of this earth, for something that is not Physically, and I literally mean physically, because as moderns, anything that isn't smell, taste, or touch, or hear, um, we consider as abstractions, concepts, concepts that are not readily uh, uh, provable by our five senses. As moderns, and by the way, I'm not including myself out of this. Although, to be quite honest, um, my particular failing in that regard was not as strong as it is in some people. But I am, you know, I'm, I'm not holding myself up any higher than anybody else within the sound of my voice. I, I have the same flaws and, 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 sins as anyone else but modern day society if you can't if you can't do it with your five senses your five physical senses and you're showing a strong attachment and a strong devotion to something that cannot be you know understood with the five senses the way it appears to me, and this is, you take this for what it's worth, people treat you like you're unhinged or that you're unbalanced. Because if it, if, 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 if it cannot be proven physically, it's an abstraction. And to them, an abstraction is nothing to be getting, to put it crudely, your knickers not, uh, in a wad about. It's nothing to get your knickers in a wad about. So, like I said, they think that you're unstable. And that's putting it at best. Jesus said in his gospel, and I don't remember who exactly he was talking to, if it was his Jewish listeners or one of the disciples, but he said, blessed are you who have not seen, but yet still believe. Because believe it or not, the, the Jews of 
ancient Judah or Palestine were under the same delusions that we are at present era. That and, and I, I, uh, I think he said somewhere in his Gospels, he said, you need miracles. You need miracles because you lack belief. You need physical miracles to show you I am who I say I am. And I believe it was the Pharisees. He told them. He said, I'm not going to show you any miracles. And basically what he was telling them was, hey, go pound sand. I've been doing plenty of miracles. If my miracles in and of themselves do not help you to believe, nothing I say or do is going to help you to believe. And he told them, he said, I will give you the sign of Jonah. Now, to those of you who don't know the story of Jonah, Jonah was a prophet that was sent to prophesy to Nevirah. And he didn't want to prophesy to Nevirah. He thought that Israel needed God's message more to Nevirah. God being God said, no, Jonah, you're going to go pound sand. And he caused a storm because literally Jonah was on a boat going the opposite direction to Nevirah. And a whale swallowed him, or at least that's the tradition, is that a whale swallowed him, and he sat in the belly for three days of that whale until, you know, and, and, until his uh, spiritual mindset was corrected. And um, he said, okay, I'm going to do this. Now, I, this is not a Bible lesson, so I don't want to get too deep into theology of Jesus' three days in the tomb. But basically, he was comparing the story of Jonah to his death, his passion, his death, and his resurrection. It took three days. And the religious leaders at that time, you know, and they knew their Bible. That's why they were religious. Uh, their Old Testament, I should say. They knew it. And when Jesus told them that, they might not have fully grasped what he was telling them, but they, they got the illusion, even on the dimmest level. And that made them even matter. Because they knew only God could resurrect the dead. And he, he was literally flat out telling him, I'm God, you are abusing me, and I'm going to prove you wrong. Now, today's, you know, my, my point in bringing up this big long story was, was that we as moderns, we're suffering from the same thing. And actually, human beings as a whole have been suffering from this since uh, Jesus ascended into heaven after his 40 days on earth is that if it's not physical, I mean, one of his own disciples, you know, everybody, well, I'm not going to assume everyone's heard about St. Thomas or the doubting Thomas, but even St. Thomas, Jesus, after he resurrected, visited some select disciples and apostles, and of course his blessed mother and St. Mary Magdalene, to, to let them know, hey, you know, what I said is true. I am who I said I am. And you guys are going, you are going to be one of the first to enter into my kingdom. You are very blessed. You are very honored. But Thomas had missed all that. And there they were in, what was known as the upper room where the, uh, the Holy Ghost came down upon them 40 days after the ascension of Jesus. And Thomas was like, yeah, brah, whatever. <laughs> the dead rising, right. You know, 
Jesus, you know, he was he was a great prophet or whatever, but I ain't going to believe it unless I get to touch his wounds. I can put my finger in the wounds in his hands and the spear, you know, the, the wound where the spear went into in his side. All of a sudden, and it was just him and the other apostles and disciples at that point, Jesus pops up out of nowhere and says, okay, Thomas, here I am. Here are my wounds. Put your finger in them. Here's my side. Put your finger here. <laughs> I got a feeling that Thomas's reaction would be the same reaction that a modern day individual would have if Jesus actually showed up to them in person. And the only thing he could say was, my Lord, my God. But that is, our, that is the, you know, like I said, it's not just a modern day thing. And that's why I will admit, I get a little annoyed with some true Catholics slash set of because they toss around the word modernist and they don't realize that they are modernists themselves. And... Once again, disclaimer, this is not all set of a contest. This is a certain segment, I think, or it's my opinion. And they don't realize a lot of the garbage that is going on in present day culture and society has been going on since Jesus ascended into heaven. And that a lot of the, and this, I'm just going to raise this issue real fast. If you read the Gospels, his, his apostles who were witness to him raising the dead, turning water into wine, healing the sick, healing lepers, they were witnesses to this. And they still did not get his nature. Now, it's all well and good to get all self-righteous about yourself. Well, I've got the proper belief. <laughs> you have to think deeper below the surface. We're talking about men who actually witnessed what he did and still did not get his nature. They, did, they, they were still in a worldly mindset. They didn't literally did not understand his nature. And that's why I get a little annoyed with Sedvacantis sometimes is because they're like the disciples. They see, but they don't, they don't hear and they don't understand. And it takes the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is why we have the feast day of I think it's a feast day, but the major holiday of Pentecost in the liturgical calendar. Because it wasn't until God sent his Holy Spirit down upon them that they fully realized, oh, hey, oh, wow, all the stuff that we saw, Jesus was God and we're going to have to do what he did, and we're going to have to suffer what he suffered. It took that. And we're not talking about lukewarm men. We're not talking about guys who just sat around, oh, that Jesus guy, he's a real wise man, you know. Um, he's, he's, he's a great prophet. And then they go off and do whatever. We're talking about men who's... who's uh, Zealousness is beyond question. We're talking about, in the majority of the cases, married men who left their families to follow him. And when I say left their families, I'm not talking about would go every day, leave the house every day, and, and walk with Jesus, and at the end of the day, go back to their houses. We're talking about men who traveled the length of Israel or Judah with Jesus. To, to get his wisdom, to help him spread his message. These, these by, by, by no means 
were, were lukewarm men. And yet they still needed Jesus's Holy Ghost to get the full import of what he was trying to do. And while I'm on the topic of, 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 the, of the Feast of Pentecost, as I've stated in an earlier episode, one of the people in that room with him was Mother Mary. Now, to you Protestants, nothing I say or do, if, if, you don't, if you don't understand this concept, nothing I say or do is going to change your minds. But this is aimed more at my Catholic, or at least Catholically inclined in the cases of Vatican II sect, listeners. I have a um, a meditation taken from one of my rosary booklets. I believe it's the fourth glorious, maybe the third glorious mystery where they're all in the upper room praying. And this meditation was actually written by a saint. And... I can't remember the name of the saint. And for, for the intents of this episode, it doesn't matter what the saint said. Or, I'm sorry, who the saint was. What he said was important. Who the saint was isn't. And what he said was that Mary showed them how to pray. Because you got to remember, first of all, they were in that upper room for 40 days and they were doing nothing but praying for the Holy Ghost to enlighten them. But the second thing you have to realize, Mother Mary had the essence of God. Even after she gave birth to Jesus miraculously, she still had his um, essence in her. So unlike the disciples, or I'm sorry, the apostles who, well, and the disciples too, honestly speaking, unlike them who had their 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 carnality to overcome. She didn't. Because that goes back to the whole thing about the Immaculate Conception. So she knew from the get-go Jesus was who he said he was and that he was there for the salvation of mankind. And she, in this meditation, the saint says that she taught them how to pray. Now, I just want to, I want to show you why her, why she is so important in, in Lord Jesus' salvific plan. Who better to prepare the disciples and the apostles for the coming of the Holy Ghost than the Holy Ghost spouse herself, and the mother of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Who better to give them what they needed to be spiritually prepared for this? Who better? But I've gone a little far astray from the topic. And I was talking about the virtue of zeal. And as I said, when anybody shows any kind of zeal for anything outside of their five senses, like I said, at best they think you're unhinged, or at least they act that way. And not that it matters, even, even if they might have an inner thought saying, oh, wow, man, that guy's fired up, kind of like to be like him, even if they don't articulate it, or I'm sorry, they, they may say that inside, but they won't articulate it because they're afraid, well, if, 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 I, if I give this guy a compliment, you know, and people think that he's, he's unhinged, they're going to think that somehow I'm unhinged. 
And like I said, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. You don't necessarily have to recognize what's obviously in front of your face. You just have to be willing to recognize the truth when it's in front of your face and do whatever is necessary to practice that truth. Um, one last thing about zeal. I had to check my notes because I had to know come to me and sometimes when I'm in the middle of one of these things, I'll have thoughts entering my head simultaneously. The devil ain't stupid. The devil is not stupid. Part of what he does is to basically mislead you. And I'm going to explain what I'm talking about. Some people, because obviously everybody's an individual, when they hear the word zealous or they hear the word zeal, or especially, especially if they're of a certain mindset, the first thing that they think of, and this is just a product of my society, the internet and modern media and culture, is these, oh, and the word fanatic. Thank you, Lord Jesus, Mother Mary. And the word fanatic, because that word gets used, rightfully so, I might add, on these quote-unquote Muslim terrorists who murder innocent people for the glory of Allah. And because they are spiritually blind and deaf, they think that, well, all religions are like that to the more shallow of the thinkers. But even to the discerning, who can, who can at least intellectually realize that, no, not all religions take machine guns and mow down young girls or take bombs onto loaded buses and concert halls are these kind of barbarians. Sorry, Vatican II types. I will never call a Muslim a child of God. Their public behavior says otherwise. And you can make the argument, well, that's just a small segment of Muslims. It doesn't matter how many, and I want you to think very carefully upon what I'm about ready to say, how many people who claim to be true Catholics slash set of contests do you see going into Protestant and Vatican II churches and mowing down the congregation and blowing up their churches? You don't. By their fruits, you will know them. Now, I do realize those of a secular mindset probably don't even know where that quote came from or who it came from. Those of you who are a little more aware are going to know exactly where it came from and who said it. But, um... The devil is our enemy and he does this on purpose. And since Islam is of Satan, and because he's got society and culture under his sway, and his sway is darkness and ignorance of the intellect, the will, and the spiritual, they get it twisted into thinking any kind of strong emotional attachment to religion, to a God that isn't blowing people up and mowing them down with a machine gun to show that kind of strength is somehow equating to a bunch of, I'm going to come right out and say it, Heretics and pagans who do the same thing. You know, you don't have to like what I'm saying. It's the absolute truth. 
And basically what ends up happening is that people who have the true religion and are enthusiastic, pious, and devout about their faith because it just, as the, the, the expression on the internet goes, it is what it is. People get tarred with the same brush, whether they like it or not. Now, I'm going on 55 minutes. There was a little more I wanted to get to, but the, the, the things I wanted to speak on are gone now. So I'm going to take this as an opportunity that if I'm doing God's will the way I would like to, he will put those, those things that um, were in my head earlier and I will cover them in another episode. Now, the same closing as usual. I don't care. I don't care if you agree with me or not. If you gave me close to 55 minutes of your time, I'm going to give you props for at least giving me a fair listen. Take it for what it's worth. Take this for what it's worth. I do care about everybody. In so far as a failed, flawed individual can care. I pray for everyone. And I'd like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your time. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.